I'm Patrick Sang, global citizen, investor. Join me as I talk with global influencers for their insight, wisdom, and how they overcame their own personal challenges. Sharing positivity, overcoming challenges, creating one world together. I'm Patrick Sang, anything is possible. Welcome to another edition of Anything is Possible. I have a special guest, Micah Moe, uh, Emmy Award winner, producer, also Guinness World Record holder. It's true. 864 insects and counting. Mike, yes. welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So you're a very interesting character. Am I? People always ask about your tattoos. Tell us about the, the record. So I have the Guinness Book of World Records for the most insect tattoos on a human's body. I don't know if there's a lot of people trying to beat that record. <laughs> it was COVID that made me go after the record. So what happened was I decided to get more creative. So I, I looked at my walls in my apartment. I'm like, they're all white. I'm going to paint something, right? So I go get some canvases and I paint some art. I post it on Instagram and this art dealer starts re reaching out to me. And she's like, I want to rep you as an artist. And I was like, well, I'm not an artist. I'm a businessman, you know? So I talked to her team, and her team keeps saying NFT, NFT. Everything was NFT back then, a year ago. I say, listen, I have this idea. I go, a few years back, my friend sent me this Guinness Book of World Records holder. Why don't we do an NFT around that? You help me deal with the Guinness people, get the judges in, document it, get the paperwork together. And we'll do an NFT drop around that. And then I'll donate some of the proceeds back to a foundation that I'm affiliated with. We went ahead and uh, went for the Guinness Book of World Records and I got awarded uh, the record for 864 insects. The, the tattoos, everybody told me in my life that it was gonna stop me from making money. And now here's a way I was like, in a punk rock way I can say, well here's a way I can actually make some money from it and give it back to children that are in need. Why insects? Uh, so insects go back to my childhood. I was scared of everything, and I just decided one day to overcome my fears and put this armor on me. And I'm like, what better way to do that than to tattoo your whole body with uh, insects? And look, in business, having you know bug tattoos all over your face is uh, not to people's choice sometimes, you know? Like being yourself and being your best self is like, the most important thing. And when I started to tap into it and say, you know, I'm just gonna be me, and it closed so many doors really fast, and the ones that opened up were opened up so wide that the people that really saw who I was wanted to do business with me or wanted to be friends with me because they realized, like, I was an authentic individual. And you filter out all the unnecessary yes, people, right? exactly. I hope you don't mind that we might go a bit deeper because sure. I think I want to share some of your difficulties, struggles, yeah. challenges. I want to bring that out so that hopefully we can see how you got over them yeah. and hopefully we can share with the young people how they can embrace it and learn from it. My childhood wasn't really good for me. You know, it was a struggle. I had a lot of fears instilled in me as a kid. Financially, I was really strapped. I had no money. You know, I was down and out living on friends' couches, trying to figure out another path. It kind of uh, crippled me to do anything, and the fears got worse and worse. It got to the point where I thought I was sick, I thought I was dying, I was afraid of everything, traveling. Uh, I was afraid of needles, I was afraid of bugs, I was afraid of I was all afraid of all these things. Okay. And um, So what ages was the... Um... I was a teenager. A lot of like my childhood, I kind of 
blocked out. Like I kind of, it's like I blacked out a little bit. It did get to a peak of like real severity when I got brought to a Russian doctor in Brooklyn and I got misdiagnosed with leukemia. It was like kind of a little bit of a scam operation they had. They pricked my finger, they put it on this microscope, they said they had this technology where they can diagnose anything. And I was always told as a kid, you don't feel, you don't feel well, you're sick. And even though I felt okay, I was put these things in my head. Mm. Here I am scared of everything and I gotta go to Brooklyn uh, once a week to get dialysis. So I'm going to dialysis and I'm scared of the needle, I'm scared of everything. And I'm just getting poked by these doctors that don't even speak English, you know? Mm. And they're talking to me in Russian and I'm like, what are you saying? And I'm leaving there and my arms are black. I mean, my veins are just bleeding and dark. And, and then I realized at that moment, like there's two ways you can go in life. Like you can take a path to numb the pain, drugs and alcohol and partying, or you can fight it, you know, and rip the bandaid off, look at the wound, don't put another bandaid on and say, you know, how am I gonna overcome this? So I went on my own and went to a traditional doctor got a bone marrow biopsy, um, it came out clear. And I just said, you know, forget this. I just like, didn't go back to Brooklyn. And I just had to get my head on straight and say, just forget about all my fears, stop thinking about them and start facing them and just run through the fire, you know, just go through it. That was a pivotal moment for me really just to take control of my life and to let go of all that stuff that happened. I got to a certain point in my life, I was, I was really angry and I started to hone in my skill of frustration. So I had this fire in me of wanting to succeed from anger. And I took that fire and I basically honed it into like passion. And when I started to become passionate, I started to become more strategic. And then my strategy started to get me focused and say, what do I need to do? What do I need to accomplish? How can I get out of this situation? I realized like in life, like you have to market yourself. You know, you have to go out and talk to people and learn how to be more extroverted. And, and that was like taking myself out of my own skin. And uh, um, I, I don't know what I would be without my childhood. And I kind of like appreciate my story. I used to fight it and now I embrace it. I've been doing this podcast for over a year now. And actually inside, I'm actually an introvert, but people think I'm actually an extrovert. So we're the same. So. I've trained and learned over time. I've become an extrovert introvert. Yes. So I'm inside, I'm actually an introvert, but because of the business industry that I'm in, I need to talk a lot, story tell, negotiate, yes. blah, 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 blah. And through that, I've become an extrovert, but inside I'm an introvert. So my new term is extrovert introvert. I love that. Um, and I think a lot of extroverts needs to balance and, and stabilize by becoming more introverted because once you once you're talking too much then you don't let the brain slow down and, and think more which is something that um, we can share on from an entrepreneur standpoint i believe that you know entrepreneurs are the guys that change the world yeah. capital follows entrepreneurs yeah. so when did you know that you know you know i'm gonna like set my own path and move yeah. on my own way uh, everything was a a natural progression. I would be assistant editing and I go, how do I edit? I would go edit, how would I step my own post-production company? Post-production, how would I produce? It was just natural. And, and I was always somebody that would look around and never be satisfied and say, okay, can I be doing this for the rest of my life? Generally, no. So I would be, what's the next step? I guess it radiates from the anger, right? 100%. Because on, on the show, Anything is Possible, we always talk with the guests about how we turn a negative into a positive. Yeah. Well, that was is it. that an example of how we turned anger negative 
into something positive because you obviously made a very successful career out of it. I appreciate that. You started uh, by music and then you did the NBA finals, working with Beyonce. How does that uh, feel to you, you know, from coming from, you know, nothing? Yeah. The projects were just projects, but setting the company was my excitement, you know, um, and it all naturally happened just from the fact that I was doing music prior to starting my music publishing company. And I was editing on a show called ODB on Parole, which is Old, Old Dirty Bastard coming out of prison for VH1. A friend of mine, Brian Muir, was producing it. And Brian came up to me and was like, how do, we, how do we set the tonality of the show? You know, can we get some music in here? So I called a buddy of mine from back in the day and I was like, hey, Mark, uh, I know you work with Eric Sermon from EPMD and do you have any music? And he goes, I just sent Eric 50 beats a day and he turns them down and he, get, he picks two out of the 50. I go, give me the rest. So I would take the rest. And this is where my excitement comes in. I take the rest, I put it in the show. And then about 10 months later, I get a royalty from it because I'm like the publisher on the song. And, and I was like, I just controlled a little bit of the creative aspect. And then I looked at it and I said, there's a business here. You know, to me, uh, being creative was always what I wanted to do. But then I had to look at business as a creative thing. You know, so I felt like, wow, this is something that I can create from the ground up. So then we started to get involved in a whole bunch of different projects. The company's growing ever since. Grown and evolved into like different areas, including like health and fitness. Yeah. And you have a company called Rumble Boxing. How did that come about? Yeah, so I'm just an investor. On 23rd Street, a block away from where I live in Manhattan, opened the first gym called Rumble Boxing. So I see Rumble Boxing and I'm like, group fitness, boxing. And I'm like, perfect. It's like, I do group fitness, I used to do boxing, something I could do. So I walk in and right away I noticed like it was something special. I mean, the gym was uh, super tight. The people were, like the culture was great, positive. The art was awesome. The format of the gym was so different, something that I'd never seen before. They do these like three minute rounds and in other gyms they would do like 15 minute blocks and I'd be like exhausted, going, oh, how long is this gonna take? They do these like different ways to format the gym. So 15 minutes would go by 100 miles an hour. So I talked to the maintenance person at Rumble and I would just kick it with him. And, he, and this guy, Jonathan, would tell me, hey, they're taking on investors. You know, what do you do? You're in entertainment, you should invest in this company. I'm like, I thought it was like a bootstrap business. I didn't realize it was investors. He goes, let me introduce you to one of the founders. I meet him in the locker room, and here we are talking business next to the urinal. You know, it's like, it's, it's the irony of it. As you do. As you do. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want to be in business with this dude. There was something about him I just, I just loved. So he goes, let me introduce you to my business partner. So I go meet this guy, Eugene Rem, who owns a company called Catch. He's a very successful entrepreneur. Within five minutes, did we just talk about top-level deal points? And a week later, I threw in a quarter million dollars into the company and didn't look back. To date, Rumble Boxing sold for uh, $300 million to Exponential Fitness. Um, Exponential Fitness went public, and Rumble had 13 gyms, but now Exponential Fitness is going to take that model and franchise it out. So they sold over 200 gyms throughout the country. So they're off to the races. So it's a, it was, Congratulations. Well, thank you. Well, yeah. to them, I mean, I'm just happy to be a small piece of it. When did you first dabble in, like, investing? Uh, that was kind of the first deal I first did. Deal, okay. Yeah, yeah, that was the first deal I did. And then after that, I was just always um, interested in other angel investing opportunities. One for that I can just learn, but also 
you know, when I invest, I want to make money, right? So I'm looking at ways to, you know, make some money. But I would never invest in anything I really didn't understand. I mean, even if I like the founders, I have to understand the business a little bit. And that's why Rumble was such an easy investment opportunity for me. What about impact investing? Is there any specific things that you like or you don't like when you look at deals? I would just take it on an individual basis. I kind of go in with an open mind. Now I start to look at more about like at what stage of the business they're in. You know, I don't get in too early and I don't get in too late. I try to find that sweet spot. I used to go like seed, friends and family. Now I'm going more series A. I'd rather get a little less on the back end, but a little bit more stability on the front end. And you're learning more and you're getting more Learning more, getting involved where it's a little bit more stable as opposed to, you know, the unknown. How did you get your break in work? I was uh, struggling to make ends meet. I had an opportunity uh, to work at Sony Studios and VH1 assistant editing. Basically what assistant editing is, you're loading tapes and media and stuff for the, for the editors, right, and producers. I was already doing technical stuff because I was doing Pro Tools and mixing and stuff, so I knew the technical aspect of audio, and I was like, I just gotta like, you know, take that knowledge and bring it over to video. At the time, you know, I had no money and they were offering $25 an hour. I would talk to the schedulers, and the schedulers at the studios just wanted to dole out the projects. The producers would say, here are the tapes that need to be loaded. The schedulers would say, can you load it? And they just wanted to get it off their plate so they can go home. And I would tell the schedulers, give me every project you have, I'll take them all. You know, I, I wouldn't stop working. I would outwork anybody. Nights, weekends, days, holidays, whatever it is, I was there. Where did that hard work ethic come from? You want the truth? Of course. Uh, anger. You know, I was angry. I was angry that I wasn't heard. I was angry that I didn't have money. I was angry that I just like saw everybody around me being in a better mental position as me. I was just, I was just angry and I just, I just had to focus it. And, and also excitement, you know, I guess too. You know, I was excited about a new chapter in my life. You've been very successful in your career. What does one need to have a winning mentality? Everybody has that fire that's built differently. You know, mine was anger. Some people are ego. Some people are insecurity. Sure. You know, there's a big psychology around business. You know, you look at people, you go, why do you do this? You have all this money, you can be relaxing, and they keep going. Yeah. So if you had to psychoanalyze it, um, there's a lot of layers to it. But there's definitely a winning formula in there. It's somebody that, like, won't give up, embraces challenges. What kind of principles and ethics do you, you know, live by and uphold? Respect. Respect to me is everything. I mean, I think respect is what keeps your humility. A lot of my business deals back in the day were all handshake deals. They weren't contracts. I wasn't calling people saying, you signed this deal, you got to, you know, it's a handshake. Yo, I'm going to do this, you're going to do that. Respect me, I respect you. And those are the people that I do business with, generally speaking. You know, there's a lot of disrespectful people in business. But for me, I maneuver with respect. And everybody fails. You know, like I've made mistakes in my career and had some setbacks in, in situations that I could have handled better. But I always try to reset myself and say, you know, my core foundation always should be respect. No matter what you do, who you talk to, what you're talking about, listen, learn, respect the other person's perspective and be open-minded, but then also respectfully, if you disagree, you know, you're... It's great, a, great advice, yeah, great advice. Thank you. Luck, do you believe in luck? I mean, didn't somebody just win the Powerball for like $400 million or something? I mean, that's lucky. Um, in business, no. Um, I think maybe a small percentage, but in business, um, the real entrepreneurs can do it two, three, four times over. 
The one that does it once is lucky to me, and if they try to do it again and they fail, they were just lucky. I think, uh, you make your luck, you know. The stars need to come in line, but also, you know, it's a sophistication that needs to happen in order to... Agree. Yeah. Success, how do you define success and how do you go about achieving I, funny, it? Funny, success is such a bad word for me. I just like, I hate the word success because I just don't look at success. I just don't know what success is because as an entrepreneur, I, the goalpost keeps moving. I'm like, I look, I don't like to look back. I don't like to look at myself and look in the mirror and say, how great am I? I'm always like tearing myself down, you know, I'm always, and it's probably to my detriment, but um, I always like to just be like, what can I improve? What can I do better? Even in my business, I tell my employees like, Tell me the problems. I want to fix the problems. I don't care about all the, the stuff that's going good. If it's going good, I don't need to touch it, you know? And what's the next big thing for Mike? Along with my business partner, Pete Zapina, we're working on my music. You know, uh, he and I are growing our catalog. We have 100,000 songs, and we're looking to expand the business, um, grow it more internationally, uh, maybe even start an ancillary record label because we have like uh, all this talent that's incubated on our platform. And I have an NFT project that I'm doing too called Indelible that I started and it's basically solving IP rights issues with NFT holders by tattooing their PFP characters. So if you have like a Bored Ape character or a crypto punk, we're gonna take a tattoo artist tattoos and we're gonna put it on that character and redrop it as a derivative. Mm. And now you're gonna have like a Indelible tattooed PFP in your portfolio that should raise the value of your wallet. What about uh, role models? Do you have any? I think my father's my role model. Uh, my father is like kind of a, he's kind of a simple guy, but he's also a very level-headed person. He's very pragmatic. He's very easy to talk to. He's the only person I can sit and really talk to and have a conversation with where I feel like I'm not being judged. You know, he looks at me sometimes as like, you know, how'd you get all this stuff? Because he, you know, it's not really kind of like where he's from or how he's built. I really enjoy, you know, talking to him and I just look at him like a role model in like being a human. You know, a role model in business, there's so many role models I have that I look, you know, look up to and say, I wish I could do that. But like the human aspect, a business is probably the part of my life I got to start working on really much and I, I start to really analyze my foundation and look at my dad and say you know I really got to start bringing some of those traits over to my current life. Um, what kind of like legacy would you like to leave? I think if you had to summarize it in one term don't judge a book by its cover you know I love to provoke thought uh, you know I guess I can be visually polarizing to some people in business when they first see me but then when they talk to me they probably I'm hoping that they get a different perspective on the person that I am inside. And I feel like that's like a life message for everybody, you know, no matter what you do. Um, in order to evolve humanity, you need to change people's perspective uh, respectfully. You know, another, you know, the word respect is important to me. So I don't fight people on when they judge me. I kind of like, you know, try to provoke thought and get into a conversation and change their perspective, you know, respectfully. Um, so the next time, you know, they meet somebody like me, they'll have a preconceived notion that maybe that person's not the person that they thought about when they first met me. Good luck with that. Thank you. Yeah. So Mike, on anything is possible, we try to inspire young people to share positivity. Our last question is always, please share with us your number one advice to our audience, especially our younger viewers. A friend of mine told me this once, he said, the one thing that anybody can't say about you is you don't do things. I, do, I just go and do stuff and I figure it out. And I think that you can 
get scared to do things. And I think for young people, you know, they get caught up in the whole, I need to raise money, I need to do it this big, I need to, like all the ways that they want to do it and they get stumped. Just go out and do something. You know, do it, learn from your mistakes, and then keep pivoting. Don't be afraid to pivot. And know and figure out like the nuance of timing of pivoting. Sometimes you gotta keep going with something and then sometimes you gotta pivot quick. Sometimes things just aren't working out, but pivot. But these are all building blocks to your career. You know, if you don't do these things, you don't learn. And if you don't learn, you don't grow. So I think it's like, that's my strongest advice to youth culture is just go do some stuff. You know, just get off your ass and go create something. And don't worry about what people think. Mike, thanks for coming on. It's great thank advice you. and I really love the thank stories. You. And thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming okay, in. Cool. Thanks, thank Mike. you, Patrick.